You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Got a special guest. This is my guy. I've been on his show, I feel like, three or four times. But it is Jackson Gatlin from Locked On Rockets, who is a happy man today. What's going on, Jackson? I'm an incredibly happy man right now, Rafael. It is incredible to be able to walk away from this first summer league game of the Houston Rockets, Rockets versus Cavaliers, and to have so many great storylines to talk about, some really impressive performances. And, you know, this is everything Rockets fans kind of hoped and dreamed this would be, right? Had such a brutal season this past year in the NBA. And then, you know, was everybody waiting, you know, just so nervous about whether or not they were actually going to keep the top pick in the draft. It did not convey to the Thunder. They walk away drafting Jalen Green. I also walk away drafting three other very interesting names in Alperin Shingun, uh, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher. And man, we didn't get to see Usman Garuba play yet, but the other three had some really impressive debuts in Summer League. And that's exactly why I had you on, because I tweeted a few days ago after they officially released the roster that this was the most exciting Summer League roster that, that I've seen. And so I'm actually heading out to Vegas tonight. And it sucks that I missed this game, but my plan is to make every Rockets game while I'm in town. And they were exciting, just like I thought, just like I predicted. I'm also biased a little bit because I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. There's a couple of Creighton guys on the roster with Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas. Shout out to Kyrie. Shout out to his mom, whose, whose mom is his, his mom is a good friend of mine. And I was excited to see him play because I was a little bit concerned for him after they drafted I mean, Jalen Green, obviously, he's going to start. And then Josh Christopher. Kyrie is a guy that even if he plays well, the investment in him is not going to be as, as big as it is for Christopher. So I really wanted to see him play. But also, I, everybody else wanted to see Jalen Green play. Jalen Green was not a – his success today was not a shocker to me. But I wanted to see my guy, Alperin Shingle. I'm not saying my guy like, like that's my homeboy, like I know him or anything like that. But I wanted to see him because I just love the back to the basket center. I made a video on him and Al Jefferson comparing them to a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to see how he performed against Evan Mobley. And in my opinion, I could be wrong or a little biased, but I felt like he outplayed Mobley. What are your thoughts? Rafael, there were there were two bigs on the floor in this game whose names are Alperin Shingun and, and Evan Mobley, and one of them was the better big in this one. Let me read you these stat lines. Alperin Shingun posts a 15 and 15 night, 15 points, 15 boards. Seven of those rebounds were offensive. His ability to attack the offensive blast, his timing, his feel, his understanding for the game, the way that he kind of processes the game, processes of information. You can tell he's already like at, I don't want to say like an advanced level, but he's definitely further along than any other guy his age. Like he just understands and reacts so quickly to things out there on the floor. Also had three assists, had a steal, had four blocks. Four blocks. Defensively. Yeah, defensively. that was supposed to be the weak link. Post, post game, Rockets coaching staff. So Will Weaver, Rockets assistant coach, is the uh, head coach of the, the summer league unit here. And 
uh, Will Weaver, I, I asked him about, you know, Shingun's defensive impact and Will Weaver raved about him and said, that's all we could talk about over on the bench. Me and the other, the other coaches, we could not believe what we were seeing with how active he was defensively and how quickly he was able to kind of recover. And sometimes he would, you know, get a little bit out of place defensively, but then make those quick recoveries, getting out to the three-point line. He blocked a couple three-point shots in yep. this game. These weren't shots like directly at the rim that he was blocking. You know, these were recoveries that he was making out on the perimeter and then on the other side and i do want to give credit right this was like evan mobley had some flashes in this game evan mobley looked you know had spurts where he looked really good had some really dominant uh moments in this one had some really aggressive plays offensively you know which was nice to see out of evan mobley but posted 12 points five boards uh six of 17 shooting had a steal had three blocks in his own right but i do think shingun was the better player between the two in this game yeah and I felt like Shingun could have scored more. I just think that guys aren't used to feeding the post. There are a lot of times where I felt like he ran down, had good position, sealed his man. Mobley can't guard him one-on-one in the block because Shingun is too strong. Lower body strength is much stronger. He's too physical. Mobley may be able to alter his shots with length, but I felt like there are a few times where Shingun had good position and – they weren't able to get him the ball, especially when he had the ball on the block, which in his case, whether it's the right block, the left block, the middle, he's good either way. What were your thoughts on him overall as far as like his shooting? I know like the numbers as far as his field goal percentage, he was three of 10. That wasn't impressive, but he got to the line 14 times. Yeah, I mean, as, so as a team, the Rockets uh, made it to the charity stripe 25 times, and 14 of those were Shingun because of his aggressiveness offensively. So I do want, you know, I do think that the, you know, the field goal numbers, uh, you know, could could look a little bit better. The three of 10, you know, I think that that's not super great. But when you look at how effective he was at getting to the free throw line, being aggressive offensively. Uh, and then just as a quick sidebar here, I mean, his whole little like free throw routine of, of whispering to the basketball before he shoots it. Like that was just absurd to see the announcers were talking about it. They loved it. Everybody was getting a kick out of that. Um, but really I do come away from this thinking, I agree with you. I think he could have scored more. I think there were definitely a lot of opportunities where he, he does his work early, right? He is yep. that traditional big man where he knows how to seal somebody off, get in that good positioning right there on the low block, right in his sweet spot before, you know, the defense is set, you know, runs the floor well, gets to his spot. And there were just times where, you know, Jalen or Josh Christopher, you know, weren't necessarily looking for him, unfortunately, looking to kind of create their own or looking to attack, looking to drive instead of setting him up. And I think that as these guys play and, and grow together, they're going to learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. They're going to learn how to play with each other. They're going to develop that chemistry. And I definitely think knowing, you know, kind of what I've seen from Steven Silas and his system this past season and what we know historically of what Silas likes to do, what he was doing in Dallas with, uh, with Luka Doncic and with Kristaps Porzingis a little bit. Um, I do really envision Silas taking full advantage of a big like Shingun, who also his passing chops were a little bit on display in this yeah. game as well. So I'm really excited to see how Silas really unlocks and utilizes him and how his teammates are able to feed off of him. I do want to highlight one moment specifically, Raphael, is um, Shingun had the ball on the low block and then, or I apologize, not right on the low block, kind of a little bit further outside the paint and faced up 
and Jalen Green had a backdoor cut along the baseline, and Shingun had this perfectly timed bounce pass, and they just weren't right on the same page about it. So unfortunately, it just missed Jalen because he wasn't looking for it. But it's those opportunities right there, that court vision from Shingun. And had Jalen been expecting that pass, he would have had a wide open dunk on the baseline. Like it would have, it was an almost beautiful play. And it's those types of plays, those types of opportunities that those two are going to develop moving forward together. When I first saw the play, I thought he passed it between Mobley's legs. But Did it, it go between Mobley's legs? I, that's what I thought. I'd have to look at it. You're talking about the play where it looks like Jalen stepped out of bounds? Yeah, yeah, that yep, one. Yep, So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on as far as the Rock is getting him the ball. Green is not a traditional playmaker. Christopher, we know he's not looking to set anyone up. Do you feel like with... John Wall is definitely not in their long-term plans, but he might be on the roster opening day. I feel like John Wall is probably the only player that's going to be able to get him easy post touches or recognize the work that he does early in the shot clock. I think the other guys are still a little bit too one-on-one, maybe drive and kick, but I think in order for Shingun to maximize his skill set, I think he's going to need a veteran point guard that's going to understand that he does his work early. Does that concern you a little bit? I I would want to, I, I, it does concern me a little bit, but I would want to push back just to, just a skosh because I do think that Kevin Porter jr. Has shown a, a, an increasing willingness over the, you know, stretch of last season where he, you know, played out of his mind when he finally joined the Rockets. And then eventually when John wall was shut down for the season and he was kind of given the keys to the offense, KPJ has shown a willingness to get his teammates involved almost at times to his own detriment to where he will stop looking for his own shot and focus exclusively on running pick and roll, you know, keeping his dribble alive, trying to feed it to the role man, trying to get others, you know, get their offense going before he really starts looking for his. And maybe that doesn't directly correlate to KPJ being great at finding Shingun when he's doing that early work, getting his man sealed, that kind of thing. But I do think that as these guys play together and again, learn their strengths, you know, and, and where each of their, where they all like the ball, where they can really thrive. I do think there are at least a couple guys, John wall being the veteran kind of floor general, even though he doesn't quite fit into this team's plans. We'll see whether or not he buys into that mentorship role for the rockets. And if he does the part that he's, if he plays the part that he's supposed to play for this young up and coming team uh, or for this rebuilding team, I should say, uh, or if he just goes back to playing hero ball antics, we'll see. Uh, but I do think there are a couple guys on the roster who can get Shingun the ball. Um, but I do agree. I think that's, you know, definitely going to be a talking point for the coaching staff moving forward and trying to make sure that they take advantage of, of, you know, what they have in him. I agree. There's one play that stood out to me, actually two, and they're kind of connected. He shot an open three in the first half and it was, it, it, luckily the backboard was there. It looked like it would have went into like the fourth row. The touch, he didn't look like he had a lot of touch on that particular shot. But then there was a play in the second half where he got the ball at the top of the key and he drove to the basket. And that's a play that I saw him make a lot in Turkey, where even though he wasn't necessarily a threat as the pick and pop man, but when he caught the ball at the top of the key, he has a couple go-to moves to where he can drive, whether it's him going left. And if you cut him off left, he wants to spin back to his right hand or either he'll just bully his guy to the rim he gets to a sweet spot and then once he gets on the block I mean he's got finishes off the right shoulder left shoulder but I think it was a play where he drove to the rim after catching the ball at the top of the key and then he found 
I want to say I forgot who it was, but he found someone. It was one of his assists. It was it was in the second half. And the part that I am impressed by, which I mean, I've studied his film extensively, but I think if he can knock down that open three, that will open up his game as a driver. I mean, he's not going to blow by guys, but he is effective enough that where he can't put the ball on the floor and make plays for himself or for others. Was that something that you picked up also? Were you impressed by his ability to make plays for others? Again, his his vision and his ability to create for himself, which by extension, you know, allow, allows him the opportunities to create for others. I did enjoy that. He he definitely, I think, once he adds that three point shot to his arsenal, which I think he's going to be able to. Again, there's nothing mechanically wrong with his shot. Uh, you and I have discussed this before over at Locked on Rockets when we've been, you know, kind of breaking down, you know, who Shingun is as a player and what Rockets fans can expect out of him. I think that he needs to, that's kind of the next development in his game is to be able to unlock that part because he does have, you know, the ability to find those open guys and, and get it out to the shooter. And uh, the way that his offensive game looks right now, I mean, he really can kind of just get his, the, the, the finesse, the footwork, the ability to spin multiple times, you know, and keep his pivot foot down and the patience. He had that play where he did, you know, he went up, had a couple spin moves, got blocked by Evan Mobley, stuck with it, got the ball back, faked, spun, and then got the shot up a second time. You know, it's it's moments like that where eventually those types of you know opportunities are going to collapse the defense, right? Where you get a second or even a third guy in trying to crowd the paint. And as long as he's got eyes on shooters and is able to get those passes out, I mean, it's going to be, you know, easy pickings for the Rockets offense. I agree. All right, when we return, I want to talk about the man that everybody wanted to see, and it is Jalen Green. But first, let's pay some bills. Jackson, do you play fantasy sports by any chance? I do occasionally. I dabble a little bit, yeah. I used to, but it's too stressful for me. Did you know that 85% of the people who play daily fantasy sports lose? I'm one of them. I mean, I, I remember when I used to wake up in the middle of the night and like Monday mornings waiting for the stat calculations to add up to see if my team won and they're like, man, if this guy wouldn't have dropped this pass anyway, it was super stressful. But what I didn't know is their game is rigged against me and you. So if you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time, you do not stand a chance. I want to introduce you to Stat Hero. It is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups, and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. Remember, you're in total control. Stat Hero is the daily fantasy sports book the way it's meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free. And right now, right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. Once again, this is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies on Locked On NBA Draft with my guest, Jack Jackson Gatlin. All right, now let's talk about the man of the hour, the second pick in the draft, the man that's probably going to be the face of the Houston Rockets in the very near future. He has the style 
and the the game and the pizzazz to be the man in Houston. First of all, before we get into his game, what did you think of his draft night suit? W- would you wear something like that with the bell bottoms? He looked like Michael Jackson in the uh, I Want to Rock With You video. <laughs> I could never, I could never pull off that outfit. I I commend Jalen for not only having the confidence to pull off the outfit, but being able to, uh, you know, actually make it look good. Like just, you know, kudos to him. I couldn't pull it off. I wouldn't be able to do the bell bottoms, unfortunately. His style that night, describes this game it's confidence like he exudes confidence the first time I saw him play in high school I was just thinking like if I did not know who the best player was on the court you know like guys you know doing layup lines I would have identified him like that's the best player in the court just the way he carried himself confidently and then I mean again like you said that outfit bell bottoms <laughs> it was, you have to have elite level confidence to pull that outfit off. And he showed that confidence today on the court. What did you give him as far as a grade on his overall performance? I think I probably got to give him an A or A plus. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever the highest grade is, I think that you can give a guy. Um, I will say that it's not without fault. There was, you know, he didn't play an absolute perfect game and I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, rock the, uh, the red tinted shades and say everything is coming up Houston because Jalen green dropped, you know, 23 in his summer league debut. There were definitely some areas that I, you know, am going to be looking for or looking towards as far as adjustments and how he, uh, approaches things, you know, in these upcoming summer league games, some areas that I would like to see him improve in, but by and large, I was blown away by his performance, 23 points, five rebounds, two assists, uh, nine of 18 shooting four of nine from behind the arc. Uh, it's evident already something you and I have discussed before that step back of his is lethal. He has it locked down. I mean, it is his bread and butter move, his ability to create separation already to create his own look. Uh, and that wasn't the only thing he did. He gave, he kind of gave you a little sample of his entire bag in this game, which was great to see. You know, I don't even think the step back is his greatest weapon. Oh, what I saw okay. today was his first step, his speed. I knew he was fast. I mean, we know that he's an outlier athlete, but I was impressed by how easily he was able to beat guys off the dribble. Like he has the first step of a small point guard, and that's going to create so many advantages for him. And not only is his first step like lightning quick, but that creates the separation for the step back. He's going to be exciting, exciting to watch. Now, I saw something earlier today. Ah, I forgot who it may have been Kendrick Perkins. So you got to take whatever he says as a grain of salt. But I saw a comparison to Allen Iverson. Did you see that one? A bigger Allen Iverson? I didn't, but I can I can see where he's going with it. Yeah. So I saw that. And then I <laughs> that one was accurate. But he also compared Jonathan Kaminga to Jordan Bell. So it kind of makes you <laughs> wonder, like. <laughs> I get broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but no, I mean, I kind of saw like the first step, like it was very Iverson like, and as far as his first step, what is, I mean, it's only summer league and we're getting way ahead here. What would you like to see from him for summer league as far as like development that would make it a successful summer league in your opinion for Jalen Green? Well, I actually, and this is, this was kind of my main point 
uh, one of the areas that I've highlighted going into summer league. And it was the area that I was kind of alluding to momentarily uh, about, you know, not everything was perfect. It wasn't an absolutely flawless game. I, I want to see him become more comfortable and better at operating out of pick and roll because he is too lethal with the ball in his hands to not also become at some point down the line, one of, if not possibly the best, you know, pick and roll player in the NBA. He's got the passing chops in the, you know, still another area of his game that he's got to work on and develop a little bit, but his ability to do seemingly, you know, whatever he wants offensively couple that with an effective role man. And he should be, you know, as lethal, if not potentially more lethal than a shooting guard that everybody came to know and love here in Houston over the past decade, James Harden. My favorite player. (laughs) Oh, that's your favorite player. Yes, yes. How I have used we to go- done like four Locked on Rocket shows and you've never said anything about James Harden being your favorite player? Because I, I don't want the Rockets fans. Face. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, now that you got Jalen Green there, I don't know how Rockets fans felt about James Harden. I swear he was wearing a fat suit at the beginning <laughs> of the season. Like it, it looked like he literally lost 30 pounds as soon as he got to Brooklyn. But yeah, I'm a big James Harden fan. I used to, I'm left-handed, so I've always been a little bit biased towards lefties. I always loved how he just made it look easy like it's like a walk in the park i used to actually go to rockets games and i would get there like an hour early and just watch him and irv rolling workout and his shot is so effortless and i mean some people feel like his game isn't visually pleasing because he did a lot of dribbling but man that ball was like an extension of his hands arguably the best ball handler in, in the nba so <laughs> yeah and that's the reason why I think Rockets fans should be excited because Jalen Green, he may not be the passer as as James Harden, but I think he's going to provide that same type of excitement and definitely the scoring punch. I mean, everybody's predicting him to be a 25, 27 point per game score in his prime. Maybe even like early, you know, he could reach those levels. I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but he could reach those levels early in his second contract. I think there's just a lot of confidence in, you know, how, how well he shot from three already at such a young age, right? It's not like he's coming in, you know, a 32, 33% three point shooter. He shot almost 37% in the G league playing against grown men against grown competition. Um, You know, arguably tougher competition than, you know, college ball would have been. So And this was a guy who, you know, at times, you know, people tried to give him a little bit of flack for choosing the G League over choosing college when at the end of the day, he was playing against tougher competition in the G League, in my opinion, and and many others. So I I, just to tie it all back together in a little bow from the the question that prompted this uh, journey down the James Harden rabbit hole, but watching him work in the pick and roll, right? And we saw as the game went on, as he was kind of learning, you know, where his team, where his teammates liked it, it would like the ball, how, you know, how they liked it past them, all that kind of stuff, what their spots were. He had a pass to KJ Martin, right? They ran quick little pick and roll uh, to perfection. KJ rolled quickly. Jalen put the bounce pass right between the two defenders, right on the money. KJ takes it, doesn't even dribble, just elevates straight up for the dunk. Like that type of action is so simple yet so beautiful when you watch it play out on the court and Jalen is the type of player who's going to have so much gravity with the ball in his hands and with the ball not in his hands and that's the other area of his game that I'm so interested to see how it develops is I think we can kind of one of the takeaways that I have from this one is he's clearly not a point guard 
he he's not going to be the guy bringing the ball up, you know, every possession. He's not going to be initiating the offense. He seemed very comfortable to allow other guys, Kyrie Thomas, Josh Christopher, let those guys kind of initiate things in this one. And he seemed perfectly content to, you know, come off some curl actions, you know, catch the ball at the elbow, that kind of thing, and operate from there. Uh, so I think those are kind of the two areas that I'm going to be interested to see how they develop uh, over summer league and obviously over his career. Very interesting. All right. When we return, I want to get your thoughts on Josh Christopher and maybe what you saw out of Usman Garuba in the Olympics. But I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Did you know Built Bar has so many different flavors? I do. The reason why is because I have a huge box in my kitchen from the live draft show. And you said it best. And I've been stealing your line. When you said it's a protein bar that doesn't taste like cement, I've used that probably the last five or six episodes. And you're absolutely right. There's so many different flavors, coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Strawberry is the flavor that I've been eating the last few days. There's orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. Jackson, what is your favorite flavor? Coconut brownie chunk. It is incredible. You got to go check it out. Coconut brownie chunk. I've had one. But for whatever reasons, when I got my mixed box, I think there was only one in there. They put a lot of salted caramel in there. But either way, it's good. And the Built Bar flavors are the best tasting. They're healthy. And like you said, they don't taste like cement. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only four or five grams of sugar. Only four to five grams net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty, all healthy. Order today. Get the grasshopper cookie, raspberry, whatever you want. And did you know that Built Bar was, or still is, but the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team that had a successful run in the Olympics, offer, actually the offer is go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use use promo code LOCKED15, I should say, and you'll get 15% off of your next order. And next, I want to talk about Bet Online. Did you know Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sportsbook action? Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, info, all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and NFL season, which is around actually just started. UFC and MMA action. It's actually kind of weird to see like the NFL and Summer League going on at the same team. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before. But before the next pitch or the next kickoff or tip-off, go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as your teams prep for their runs, or your baseball teams, I should say, prep for their runs in the playoffs. I live in Dallas, and the Rangers aren't prepping for the playoffs. Head to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks expert, and the promo code is locked on. And Jackson, I want to get your thoughts on Josh Christopher. So before I, before you get into your thoughts, Josh Christopher. All right, no, I, <laughs> I, I was, I will just say, I, I came into, I, I just want to air, you know, put it out there, right? Because I'm, I'm a man who I've said it before, and I'll say it time and time again. My favorite meal is crow. I love being proved wrong. I love I love it when I say something. I'm like, oh, I'm not super high on this guy. And then he turns around and proves me wrong. I'm not like walking out of here like a Josh Christopher stand, but I was impressed by him. That's all. I, I'm sorry. Just had to get See, that out there. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. I'm not a big Josh Christopher guy. He played today like how I expected him to play. He has some pretty ugly possessions. 
because he's such a one-on-one isolation type scorer. He can put the ball in the basket. But one of my concerns for him was outside shooting and reading the game and not being so focused and having tunnel vision on scoring. He shot, I think, was he 0 for 4 from 3, which is not surprising. 0 for 4 from 3 and 5 of 15 overall. Yes. I mean, did he? I mean, I guess all the Rocket starters got double-digit field goal attempts. But, yeah, he took 15 shots. Actually, Kevin Martin Jr. or Kenya Martin Jr. taking 15 shots is pretty impressive. But, yeah, he took 15 shots from the floor, 0 for 4 from 3, got to the free throw line four times, three turnovers. And let's see how many assists he had. Four assists. That, that's actually pretty good. That's probably one of his, if this was college, that's probably one of his better games. But he just had some possessions where, I mean, there's one that stands out to me. It was in the second half. It was on the, the right wing where he just dribbled, dribbled, dribbled. It was against Okoro. Dribbled in the same place for about eight seconds. Shot a, <laughs> yeah. looked like a step back and then... Those are the possessions that makes me wonder about Christopher's fit. If he doesn't develop into a passer or reliable outside shooter, I think he's going to have a hard time finding a role because in today's NBA, if you're going to be a big time scorer, you have to be a, a passer and you have to be able to knock down shots and play off the ball. So what were your thoughts on his performance? Can, can I, can I interest you in a proposition of sorts? And I would like to try and sell you on the idea, not of Josh Christopher, the guard, but of Josh Christopher, the wing. Yeah. I mean, I I can definitely see that, but he has to be able to knock down open shots in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I almost see, and really I was thinking about this and when I was really trying to dig into a little bit of film and then after some of the commentary from Rockets front office about why they wanted to go with Josh Christopher and really looking at what I think he's going to be able to do at the NBA level. One, I will say that what stood out to me in this game specifically and why I came away a little bit higher on him than you did from this one, but because I do agree, the tunnel vision was on display. The questionable decision-making at time was on display offensively. No doubt about that. But defensively, he was relentless in this game. Mm-hmm. The hustle, the tenaciousness, the tenacity, all of it, right? Just, I mean, he was, you know, checking guys starting at half court. He was, you know, getting his hands on, in passing lanes. He was causing mayhem on the defensive side of the basketball. And he was playing at an 11 in a summer league game. Like, you know, he was out there absolutely hustling every single possession he was on the court. And at the end of the day, you can't teach that. Yep. Now you also might not be able to teach him how to like, you know, process the game a little bit differently. And Hey, this is a bad shot. Like, you know, don't, don't take these shots here. You know, you need to play a little bit more within the offense. Don't look to get yours as much. You need to be more of a facilitator, all these different things. But I do think that that is definitely a feather in his cap in his favor, right? Like a notch in his favor, a a point in his favor, whatever you want to call it. Um, Just how hard he played defensively. And I think that at the NBA level, guys who can make it work on that end of the court and have some semblance of an offensive game, be it, you know, some game in transition or the ability to handle the ball and put it on the floor or just, just shoot the basketball. If you can do a couple things offensively, you don't have to do it all, but if you can do a little bit offensively and play defense at a really, really high level, I feel like you can find a home somewhere in the NBA. And my comp there is actually from last season's Rockets, David Nwaba. David Nwaba is a guy who struggles with his three-point shot. 
Absolutely. So, so much so to the point where NBA defenses, you know, oftentimes forget about him or, mm-hmm. or leave him open, but Nwaba is a lethal driver, you know, knows how to put the ball on the floor, finish really well at the rim. It was a terror in transition when he got, you know, full head of steam going. And then defensively, he can put the clamps almost on positions one through five. Now, maybe that's, you know, a bit of a high bar for Josh Christopher, but that's kind of the comp that I have in mind right now for Rockets fans, especially because we saw so much of David Nwaba last season. I feel like that's a decent, like, place to aspire to be if you're Josh Christopher. See, I think they're wired different, but I like the comparison. So here's my comparison. I want to compare him to another Arizona State guard, not the one that he probably wants to be compared to in James Harden, but I'm thinking of Lou Dort, Lugans Dort. Lugans Dort at Arizona State was an inefficient gunner. He was a guy that scored a lot of points, was aggressive. I mean, they're actually kind of physically similar. Bully, bully game and just put up a lot of points. I think that played a role in Dort getting undrafted. But his rookie year, he literally transformed himself into a defensive player. And most notably, he earned himself a lot. Well, he should have earned himself a lot of money in the series versus the Rockets, but he has the worst contract in the NBA. He signed a three-year deal like 20 days before the bubble. It's like three years, $4 million. If he would have waited until after the bubble, the way he defended James Harden, he could have been a free agent. Imagine what he would have gotten in the open market. Anyway, but <laughs> he transitioned himself from being like this, you know, like this super confident gunner to a defender. And then his second season, which was his past season, he was able to showcase some of the offensive skills that he showed at Arizona State. I think he had like a 40-point game. I think that would be a good way for Christopher to earn minutes. I think it's going to be tough for him if he's going to try to be like this high-volume scorer off the bench for the Rockets. I think that's going to be tough. Another point about Christopher that it could help be helpful or it could be detrimental. I think if he spent a lot of time in RGV, if he spends time with, with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers and he works on being a playmaker, like, I mean, the G League is all about developing, developing guys. I would love to see the Rockets send him down there and say, look, your job is to be the point. We don't care if we lose games, but we want you to make reads out of pick and roll. We want you to get at least six or seven assists per game. That could happen if he buys into it, or it could be the reverse, which I've seen happen so many times in the G League. I mean, I worked in the G League for years. Is that guys that are like really good scorers go down to the G League and then they average 28 points a game and they're not helping themselves because they're not playing the same role they would play if they were to get the call up to the NBA. If you look at all the guys that played in, in the G League, most of them, they were role players who figured out how to be role players in the NBA as complimentary guys. The guys that score like 20, 30 points in the G League usually end up in China because they're not going to play that same role. What are your thoughts on, on sending Christopher to the G League his first year, or at least off and on? I think it's a, I think it's a stellar move. And I definitely expected with the Rockets bringing in four uh, rookie players, you know, with this year's draft and with the, you know, already young cast of, of characters they have, you know, under contract, I definitely expected some of these guys to be spending some time at the G league level. Um, I, it really wouldn't shock me if uh, Garuba as well, maybe spent a little bit of time down there. Uh, but 
Christopher, I like the idea of, of him going down there because the Rockets do have a glut at the guard spot. I think it's going to be really tough for him to find any consistent minutes there. I know that I mentioned, you know, selling the idea of Josh Christopher as a wing, but even then they've got, you know, plenty of wing minutes to go around for, and I'm just thinking guys like Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin, that doesn't even bring us to the fact that they've got Daniel House Jr. and David Dwaba under contract as well, the veterans on the roster. Eric so, Gordon's still on the team? Eric Gordon's there too, and you already know he's going to get some minutes at the three spot because they don't have any minutes at the guard spot. So yeah. the Rockets are definitely going to run a lot of three-guard sets this season, that's for sure. But with that, I do think that just like last season, sending Kevin Porter Jr. down to the G League and getting him familiar with the, the idea of having the ball in his hands and running and orchestrating an offense, which is what the Rockets envisioned for him when they picked him up. They didn't want to run him at the three like the Cavs did. They didn't envision him as a small forward. They wanted to put the ball in his hands. They said, you're going to run the offense. Sent him down to the G League, and he was stellar down there, right? He worked on his passing, worked on his offensive game, creating for himself, and then he got brought up to the Houston Rockets and then played that role. So I do agree. And I think that's a very astute observation. I think that's perfect. That's what you want to do in the G league, right? Is if you send somebody down there and they're playing a role that isn't theirs, right? If they're just going out there getting buckets, that's not what you're going to be doing at the NBA level more than likely. Now, I mean, maybe there's a, you know, a guy that gets sent down there. Who's like a six man type, or maybe an Armani Brooks type who's supposed to just shoot, right? Like who's yeah. supposed to just be a gunner off the bench. Then yeah, absolutely. By all means go out and get buckets. But for a guy like Christopher, I do think he's got to work on those other elements of his game because guys like Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, obviously, are going to be the scorers ahead of him. So if he can make himself useful in the other facets of the game on the court, be it his defense, be it his hustle, be it his rebounding, his passing, all of those other elements, then he's absolutely going to find some minutes on an NBA team at some point. Yep. All right. You mentioned the name earlier, and I know he didn't play. And the summer league game, he should be there. At least from what I've heard, is that he's he's his name is on the roster. He may make his way to Vegas. But what were your thoughts on Usman Garuba in the Olympics? This is the part where I have to be really upfront with you, Rafael. Is uh, I barely watched any of the Olympics. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll give I, you a pass because the games did come on at like two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the such morning. Such odd hours, man. I saw some highlights and I, I definitely, I've done my fair share of looking at highlights of Garuba's, you know, film. Um, so I'm excited about what he's going to bring to the table for the Houston Rockets. And I'm excited to see how his development work, you know, pans out. Uh, I think that obviously the biggest question mark is what is he, what's he going to look like offensively, right? Because yeah. he had such a small role on that Real Madrid team that ultimately, we don't, we just don't know what it's going to look like when he's featured as the, the main role man in a, in what is going to essentially be, you know, like a four out, or I guess it's still technically a five out offense with Garuba, although he's got to work on his uh, outside shooting a skosh, but you know, in a five out offense, which is exactly what Steven Silas runs, Garuba is going to be your, your, your role man. I, I highly doubt they're going to have um, minutes where you've got Shingun and Garuba, two guys who are, I don't want to say effectively non-shooters, but you know, guys who defenses can clearly sag off of and uh, aren't going to really honor their three-point shot until they prove that they can, you know, repeatedly make defenses pay, defenses pay for uh, leaving them open. I don't think those two guys are going to get lined up together. So if I'm imagining right, Daniel Tice out there on the court with Garuba or Christian Wood, then either of those two guys could be spotted up in the corner. Garuba's your role man, that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the Rockets offense and whether or not we actually get to see him get any burn here in summer league. Yeah. I'm all about playing both of them together. <laughs> you know, Rafael Stone said, don't judge the draft or the Harden trade till it's like 2030. 
might as well just play them together. But Jackson, man, I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your your busy schedule, especially right after uh, a Rockets win. Where can the listeners find you at? Uh, you can track me down on Twitter at JT Gatlin. You can also find the show at Locked on Rockets. Uh, we have you covered for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So if you want to follow Jalen Green's journey, Alperin Shingoon, Big Al P is his nickname as dubbed by uh, Rockets front office. Love that for him. Uh, as well as Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, all those guys, and the the rest of the the Houston Rockets core. Uh, check out the show. We're on YouTube. Where wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast, check it out. Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, all those different places. All right, thanks a lot for coming on once again. This is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies. You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. But before I go, I want to talk to you about Locked On Bets. Betting on, in this case, the Rockets doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, is that his real name, your boy Q? I'm actually not 100% sure. We should ask him. Because, I mean, if he's not my boy, do I want to call him? Or if he's not your boy, do I want to call him your boy? But anyway, handicapping expert Lee Sterling is also on Locked On Bets. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Again, this is Raphael, NBA Drive Junkies, Jackson Gatlin, Locked on Rockets, and we are out.